us. The Bible reading this morning is from Paul's second letter to the believers in Corinth. Uh, and it begins at the first verse of chapter 8. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then to us, in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, See that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Technology is a wonderful thing. Thank you for sharing about that coffee in the living room. It sounds such a, a wonderful venture. And I look forward to hearing how it gets on. I'm not promising to be there every week. Some of the time I might be. Um, I noticed it didn't come up in this service, but in the first service, as the slides were going on, going across about the um, I'm on, yes, um, it had the, the title of the sermon, which just said, "Living generously with David Rouch." <laughs> and I thought to myself when I saw that, fat chance. But anyway, uh, we're, we're looking at. Well, I see my daughter-in-law's on the phone. Um, <laughs> oh, you hope she doesn't go. We could, I suppose we could flick in through this. I don't know. Let's, let's start off. Let's have a prayer. Father, we just ask you now just to open up our hearts that we might receive in our hearts what you want us to hear. Father, we just want to forget the head things. We just want to hear because, Lord, this is something which is so much of your calling and your doing. 
And we pray, Lord, that you would just speak directly to our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I gave the title of the sermon at... Why have Whoa, 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 whoa. We've gone onto Skype. Oh. Attitude living generously. Let me just put this up here, that I can see it a bit better. You can perhaps hear me a bit better. A young man, so I'm talk about, I'm going to tell some stories. This young man, uh, I went to hear him preach the week before I was made a deacon so many thousands of years ago. And uh, yes, it was thousands of years ago, Tim. It seems like it. But this guy got up at 19 and he preached as if he'd been preaching, well, all his life. But he preached so powerfully that me in the arrogance of a newly trained, almost curate, was, I couldn't believe that anyone could be so arrogant in his preaching. But he was. He'd been led to the Lord when he was about 12, uh, and, but he went on and he just gave his life to God time and time again. But he gave everything that he had to Jesus. He wrote a book, this is many, many years ago, uh, called Take My Plastic. In other words, the credit card will do. And during Mission England, Jenny and I were very, very involved with Mission England. Jenny was looking after the organization of small groups all over the northwest of England, and I was organizing prayer groups, again, in the northwest of England. And we were heavily involved. And Peter came to visit us, because this guy I'm talking about, Peter Maiden, um, he, he came to visit us, and we were talking away, and we were so enthusiastic about what God was going to do through Mission England, what he was already doing through prayer triplets and things like that. And he said this, there's more to the world than England, you know. He was joking. But I want to change that a little bit more. There's more to the world than Baston Hill. Ooh, that looks nice. Can you do that again? Amen. <laughs> he, he went on to be the International Director of Operation Mobilization. He was also the chair for some time of the Keswick Convention. Um, that's a picture of him. He is now about to retire and he's still giving his all for Jesus. He's got plans to write a book and do a load of preaching all over, all over the country because he's, he's in demand by lots of churches. When I told him the subject, on, I met with him on Monday, uh, when I told him that this is what I was going to preach on today, he said, oh, I'd love to preach on that. Of course he would. So I said, you can come and take my place. He said, sorry, but I've got to be in Nuneaton or something like that. Then I want to tell the story of a young woman. Jackie. At 19, she was an expert milliner working in Zurich and selling hats, that hat or making hats that sold for over a thousand pounds each. And we're talking in terms of 1963-64. So these were very, very expensive hats. She heard the gospel at Earl's Court in 1966 through the ministry of Billy Graham and gave her life to the Lord. And, but she not only gave her life, she gave, decided that this was what God was saying to her, I want you to work for me, to do for me. And she went to Redcliffe Bible College. 
And then she went out with Brother Andrew and uh, opened doors and was smuggling Bibles behind the, you know, the Iron Curtain. She was arrested, thrown into jail, and then thrown out of the country. She then went on to work as a, in Peru as a missionary. And she really had a pioneer ministry because she set up, I think it was about three or four congregations on the west coast of Peru. And uh, those congregations are still going today. And she was starting off with nothing. But she was able to give her all and in, as a missionary there. Then she served with Operation Mobilization, Mobilization on board ships, the Logos and Dulos, and later worked for OM at the Quinta. No, that was behind the, the residential block there. She died just before Christmas. And on Monday of last week, Jenny and I went to her memorial service or Thanksgiving service in Wrexham. George Verver, who was the founder and inspiration behind Operation Mobilization, wept as he spoke about her love of God, her commitment to the mission field, and then he looked at the whole congregation. We almost fall into this category this morning apart from one or two of us. He looked around and saw a lot of grey hairs, a lot of old people. And he turned around and said, all of us may not be able to go onto the mission field, but we can be recruiters. We can be recruiters. In other words, encourage young people to give of their all to go onto the mission field to work for God. Lillian Andrew, one of ours, was also a prayer and a recruiter. And I was talking with Andy and uh, Martin and Susie, and from my own personal experience, I am going to miss Lillian's prayers because of all she did for us. We knew that when we were in Ibiza that Lillian would be praying for us that she would be praying for us so that our ministry would continue. But we all can be like that. But I wonder if there is anyone here who can take up that mantle of prayer for the mission field, for those who are going out as missionaries, short-term, long-term, or what? Martin and Susie, Alan and Claire, Andy and Louise, and others who are going, Rachel's already out there. Who's going to be praying for them? 2 Corinthians 8 is all about the grace of giving. A bit more about that later on. But it means time, talents, money, possessions. In fact, everything we've got. You know, the very statement frightens me. It really does. Last year, uh, when we were in Ibiza, Jenny went for a walk up in the woods. We've got some lovely wood walks there, and there's some wonderful place. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? And, and it was, it's lovely, and she was going up there. And all of a sudden she had this thought, which she then came and shared with me, and it frightened me. She said, do you know what? If God said we should sell the bungalow, we should. 
I thought, well, where are we going? This is your reserve, Tim. You know, you know, <laughs> what are we going to do if that happens? But this is, a, this is a commitment which we've made. That if God says go, go. Because otherwise we're going to be, well, we're going to be wondering whether we should. I've got a question. You can nod your head, you can shake your head, you can shout hallelujah or whatever it is. Do you believe the Bible? Do we? Right. Now let's look at this then. This is David as he was making a collection for the temple. And, and he, he comes up and he says, what, what are we that we can do this? And then he says this, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. In our prayer book, we've shortened it down a bit. And it comes out like this. All things come for you and of your own have we given you. Think on that for just a moment or two. Just think on it. Do you get up in the morning and say, this belongs to God? You know, Tim, in that lovely introduction he gave us just now, was talking about the way in which we can be holding on to possessions and holding on to things. But where does God come in? He says, look, you know, it's mine. Give it to me. What would you do if God said, do this? What would you do? It's quite frightening when you think about it. This is part of the passage we had read to us by Jennifer. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. I want to sort of cut out all that. I want to go down to that underlying bit. Because where it says, they gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. And then, to us. And Joy's back on the phone. So we need an attitude adjustment, I think. You see, giving is not a punishment, it's a privilege. How many times... How many times have you said, Oh, I've got to give, I've got to give, I've got to give. How many times? Very rarely. You know, we, we cobble on about this word, a tithe. And I think we often use it as a cop-out. Because we say, oh, we give a tithe, that's lovely. But it's not a tithe. It's all God's. Every bit of it. Our houses, our clothes, our everything. It's a privilege to meet the needs of the needy. You know, the Corinthian, I put this up, the Corinthian church was rather like Christchurch. Sophisticated and well-funded. It was a church was definitely a need to be a part of. Don't you feel good when you hear something like that? I really do. I asked Alwyn the other day to give me some figures. You know, I, want, I wanted to find out just how we were giving, what we were giving away. And do you know what? The figures that came back, I, I, I put them all to, in one, Alwyn. I know you gave me a whole lot of them. But you gave me, it was incredible. And this is where I want to encourage you. 
because last year, including our parish share, we gave away over £125,000. That's a lot of money. You know, you really, I won't say you ought to give yourselves a pat on your back because it all belonged to God anyway. But it's something to think in terms of. We're not poor givers. And then you think, you know, the other day I walked into the kitchen, I said to Audrey, have we got any of those quality street left? She said, come with me. And you know, there was a stack of them. We've been so generous in our quality street giving. And then last Sunday morning we had so many mince pies, they were all coming out of our ears. And then Joy came around and said, oh, I want you to give away for the, give something to the, the, the food banks. And then we gave a whole load of more tin stuff. And then there's all that. Have you seen how much mulled wine there is in the kitchen? We are givers. We are givers. Come on, move on. Oh well, it's died a death. Do you ever have that happen to you? I mentioned two people earlier on. Peter Maiden. The other, the, the lass's name was Jackie Papworth. They made a decision, a conscious decision. Peter, when he was quite young, when he was about 16 or 17, that he was going to give his all for Jesus. Jackie was a bit older, she was 19 or 20. But she was going to give her all for Jesus. And she did. Every bit of it. You know, do you go out to Peru as a missionary? Do you go behind the Iron Curtain giving Bibles away unless you really love what God wants you to do? They gave their all. And you know, when you truly give yourself totally to God, you have little problem in giving your substance to God. Because you realize... what it's all about. C.H. Spurgeon, great preacher, now thousands of years ago it seems, preached once a year because he had an orphanage. Preached once a year for his orphans. At that meeting, many would come to hear this famous preacher and an offering would be received for the orphanage. After one of these meetings, he was leaving the sanctuary when one of those super-spiritual, narrow-minded, nitpicking individuals accosted him with the charge. Why, Mr. Spurgeon, I thought you preached for souls, not for money. And Spurgeon gravely replied, Why, Mr. So-and-so, normally I do preach for souls and not for money, but my orphans can't eat souls, and if they did, my brother, it would take at least four the size of yours to give one of them a square meal. <laughs> our generosity in giving material blessings says a great deal about our spirituality it's an opportunity to be like Jesus in John 1 John it says this, this, this verse this is how we know that we, what love is Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love God with words or speech, 
but with actions and in truth. We've all heard of Mother Teresa. She was someone who gave her all for Jesus. And one year she was visiting Australia and a new recruit to the Franciscan order in Australia was assigned to her guide and, and to be a guide and gopher during her stay. Thrilled and excited at being so close to this woman, he dreamed of how much he would learn from her and what they would talk about. But during his visit, he became frustrated. Although he was constantly near her, the friar never had the opportunity to say one word to Mother Teresa. There were other, always other people for her to meet. Finally, her tour was over, and she was due to fly to New Guinea. So he said to her, uh, if I bought a ticket and got on the plane, and could I sit next to you so we could talk, so I could learn more and more about you and about what you do? And she said, have you got money to buy a ticket? And he said, yes. He said, well, you go and give all that money to the poor, and you'll learn more about what I do than anything I can tell you. It's a thought, isn't it? Giving is not a burden, it's a blessing. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they've done. You know, we had a lovely visual example this morning. How many sweets did you have left in? <laughs> you know, give away one, you get two. Give away two. It was a lovely visual example. My pet hates the God Channel and the TV evangelists. I say a pet hate very carefully because, you see, I've heard these guys get, a, get up and, and you know, they'll, they'll preach a wonderful sermon. Then they'll put a little blurb at the end or a little say at the end, no, if you want to give to our work, just give. send off $10,000 or $1,000 or $100. Just send it off and you will be blessed. Oh, but you've got to sign up straight away. No thinking about it, you've got to do it now. Have you ever noticed when you send off a check to a charity or to a mission society that can't the consequence of that is often you'll get a letter back saying thank you, but can you give some more? You know, and it's amazing that how we, we do, it, it, they always, as it were, contact the givers because they know that they will give. And you know what, I'm going to say something which is a hard saying now because you see, when any appeal is made, it's usually the givers that respond to it. Those who don't give, don't hear. It's just an interesting statement, but it's hard for us to understand. Perhaps we've all got to learn to be givers, then we can all be blessed. God measures the sincerity and the heart of the giver rather than the size of the gift. I started off with the story of two folk who were involved in mission. Peter Maiden and Jackie Papworth. Jesus' words are these. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
because of the believers who took the good news into the world, the Corinthians, who were spiritually bankrupt, were now able to give back what they had received. They were being encouraged to do so. They'd heard the gospel. Money is important. Jesus spoke about it many times. But, we need to have a heart like his and to be concerned about those things with which he is concerned. We need to give ourselves, as, he, as Paul said to the Corinthians, first of all, to the Lord. Not to anything else. First of all, to the Lord. And once we've done that, we do what he calls us to do. Whenever I heard talk about the mission field, I always think of a picture like this, where there's a man in a black hat and long robes preaching the gospel to a load of native Christian, native folk. But really, it's not like that these days. It's not different. There is a need for young people today to give their all so they can serve where God calls them. Now, I've got two challenges here. One is to young people, and that is, are you thinking, are you thought in terms of that God may want you to go into the world and do what Jesus calls you to do? Have you thought about that? And there's a challenge for us, all of us with grey hair or no hair. For it needs us all to commit ourselves to the recruitment of and the support of those who are called. It's part and parcel of our calling. Go into all the world. You know that song we sang, I can't remember the song we sang first of all, but it was one about going into the world, getting the harvest. That's what, it, that's what the calling is. And I, I know the words that Peter Maiden said to Jenny and myself many years ago, the world isn't about just about England, you know. The world isn't just about Baston Hill, you know. It's about the whole world. Generous living, life as God intends. All thing comes from you, and of your own have we given you. And that really does mean everything. That really does mean everything. The money we have in our pocket the time we have on our hands. Lovely to hear the story about what's next for us because we finish one career. Lovely to hear that story this morning. Because it means that God is constantly calling us, constantly calling us to give of all we have. I want to finish off with a story um, of a young man. He was aged 40. Um, and he had Hodgkinson's disease and he was dying. He had been my youth leader in the church I was in and um, his wife was the worship leader. This is very important to know this. And Paul, that's his name, uh, when I was visiting with him in Christie's in, in Manchester, we sat down and talked. Oh, he talked, I listened. And he basically wrote the sermon for his funeral. 
because he's aware of his dying. And he said these words, and they, they stick in my mind and they'll stay there forever. David, he said, this isn't about Paul Smith. It's about Jesus dying on the cross for me. And I want you to tell people that when you get up and preach. It's not about Paul Smith. I'll tell you now, there were 500 people in the church at his, at his funeral. And he wanted them to know it was nothing to do with him, but all to do with Jesus, because he had given everything to Jesus. And he even chose the song we're going to sing next, because he wanted people to know that when we give our lives to Jesus, it starts at this point. So Simon, 